Well, I don't know really if the prison service is seen as a deterrent. It depends where you are. If you're in the ANC, like Shabir Sheikh, then of course, and you're terminally ill, uh, then you'll send home to die. And he's been dying, I think, uh, for the last 2,400 days. Jacob Zuma spent three days in prison, then went home uh, to recover. He looks pretty fit to me. Uh, Tony, again, he did go to prison, but not for long. But when he did go, he was carried shoulder high by the ANC as if to celebrate the fact that he stole from us. John Block is still in prison, but of course the ANC bigwigs still go and try and visit him. So I think if you're in the ANC, nothing to worry about. I think if you're a normal person in South Africa, it can be very tough and we need to investigate that. Mike Newlands. Mike, thank you for that one. We see that also in the rest of the continent as well, how the privileged and, and the moneyed, of course, uh, it's seemingly different rules apply to them. Sunday morning discussion on Weekend View. From up to 20 minutes to the top of the hour this week, human rights organizations, activists, law and justice experts met this week in Santon, north of Johannesburg, to discuss solutions for the state of uh, correctional and justice systems on the continent. Right, We're talking about um, the, the state of incarceration on the continent. More than one million prisoners incarcerated in Africa, with most of them living under what can be described as inhumane cruelty and degrading conditions. For this conversation, we're joined now on the line by Chikondi Chijozi, Criminal Justice Lead at the Southern African Litigation Centre, joining us on the line from Malawi, and also joined by Ogechu Ogu, Deputy Director of Prisoners, Rehabilitation and Welfare Action in Nigeria. And Ogechu is joining us uh, um, from uh, Nigeria this morning as well. Chikondi, I'll start with you. Thank you for your time with us uh, this morning on uh, The Weekend View. Give us a sense just briefly, really, of some of uh, the, uh, the the issues and, and the conditions that uh, that, that uh, prisoners face in, in a country such as Malawi. But of course, we can speak broadly about uh, the region and the continent as well. Uh, thank you so much uh, for having me on the program. Uh, when we talk about the conditions in the prisons and particularly in Malawi, uh, we're talking about people having only 30 centimeters of space. Uh, to sleep uh, from 3 o'clock in the afternoon to 9 o'clock in the morning the next day. Uh, We're talking of a situation where people only get to eat once a day and they're only provided with uh, uh, beans and uh, what we call steam. I know in some countries they call it in Shema, Mm. which is uh, uh, made... it, it's uh, it's made out of maize, uh, more like a paste of maize. And that's what people have every single day. And there are also days that recently uh, Malawi in the prisons, they have been experiencing shortage of food and prisoners stayed mm-hmm. over nine days without food. And so when we talk about inhumane conditions, this is what we're talking about, issues of congestion. You find that uh prison cells that were meant to hold uh, 60 prisoners, they mm. hold of 200 prisoners in that cell. So, and uh, not talking just about the conditions, but also even the delays in justice, because uh, many of the people that are now prison are people that cannot afford services of a lawyer, and you find that people can stay for sometimes for years on mm. remand waiting trial, 
and some of them don't even get justice because they didn't get a lawyer and uh, they get convicted for crimes that sometimes they do not even commit. So that's the picture of our prisons in Malawi. Sure. And and Shikondi, do, do we see this across the board? So are we talking about, uh, you know, what your, your C-Max type prisons, right, where you have the worst sort of um, criminals uh, who've done the most highness of crimes? Or is this across the board, even somebody perhaps who, who stole a loaf of bread, if you will, is doing a, a shorter sentence? Is this, are these the sort of conditions across the board? Yes, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. It's the same because uh, these people, it doesn't matter uh, what offense you committed, you still are thrown in in that kind of uh, situation or conditions. Uh, I know there are some like smaller prisons where uh, the situation might not be as bad, but uh, generally in all our prisons in Malawi, almost all of them, they are congested. Mm. And we can also... Uh, speak of the same like for Zambia if you if you are aware of the judgment that came from Zambia the Mwanza judgment where the court also spoke about the congestion issues as mm. also uh, the lack of nutrition for people who are on ART uh, in the prison so it's quite the same in many of our countries mm-hmm. okay so let me bring you into the conversation and thank you for your time um as well the, the, this issue around inequality and one or two of our listeners have already brought that up that if you have money if you um are, are very privileged or are politically connected that in fact you are spared um, you know in, in many instances from these sort of conditions is that that, is that the case as well in, in your part of the continent? All right, uh, let's let's try to sort out uh, that, that line. I try to get to um, Ogechu Ogu, who's the Deputy Director of Prisoners Rehabilitation and Welfare Action uh, in Nigeria, who's just uh, joining us as well on the line. Uh, Chikondi, perhaps you can speak to that as well, the issue of of inequality and, and how not 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 all not all offenders are treated the same, even suppose even before being uh, being incarcerated as well just the how the justice system treats those who who are privileged uh, politically connected and have a lot of money yeah yeah of course uh the i always say that the the way we live outside prisons where people who have money have better access to things it's the same way that life in the prisons is and i'm saying this because i have worked with prisoners for almost 19 years and in my work i have visited a lot of prisons and i've seen it that uh like for those that have money, they are able to buy space. I was talking about prisoners having 30 centimeters of space. And mm. this is for those that are poor. But if you have money, you are able to buy space where you can actually lie down. You can have a blanket. You can have some sense of comfortability, which people who are poor cannot have. So it's it's the same. And even when it comes to access to court, we have seen people who are rich being able to apply for bail even over the weekend and being uh, granted orders even after conviction they're given mm-hmm. uh, uh, pending appeal. But this you don't see in people who are poor. They don't get access to such. Mm-hmm. Uh, good morning, Sevenzile and uh, SA FM listeners. You know, uh, my sister here in South Africa, prison is a holiday for criminals. It's actually a holiday for criminals 
and uh, it benefits them so much that they can even study and do all those sort of things. But in other countries, prisoner, a prisoner is treated as a prisoner and they, will, they don't do crime ever again after that. But here in South Africa, they repeatedly going there, purposely, doing crime knowing that they are going to be treated like kings. Fikiboni from Porsche in Pumalanga now. Thank, thank you for, for that uh, voice note. Uh, some more of your comments here, but let me just quickly try to get you one last time. Okay, are you with us? Yes, I am. There, there, there we go. There we go. Good morning to you, and thank you very much for joining us uh, this morning. I'm not sure how much of the conversation you caught, but perhaps let's just pick it up on uh, just just on the point about um, again perceptions that that I think sometimes the public have about the experiences of uh, of uh, uh, people who are behind bars. That some um, are more comfortable than others. Our last voice note now saying in South Africa people are, qu- are quite comfortable, um, and and elsewhere that. Uh, that, that being incarcerated truly is a deterrent from the crime because the conditions are so bad that nobody wants to wants to in fact commit crime ever again. Okay, um, I, I think that perception about being comfortable while in custody, I don't think it speaks to the Nigerian experience. People don't have that uh, impression because uh, here in Nigeria, uh, I don't think uh, inmates are that uh, comfortable. Let us take it from the point of view of capacity of uh, custodial centers in the country, especially those in most metropolitan cities. Mostly, they intend inmates beyond their capacity, and you know what that means. There's no comfort in being in a custody where we should hold 700 people, but it's holding as much as close to 2,000 people. You know that the condition can never, ever be that that anybody would wish to be in, and given the cost of living now and the cost of feeding of inmates at the rate of 450 naira and inclusive of fuel and other things, the food cannot be something to be written home about. And in the past, it used to be good, but inflation and the rest of them has affected this now. So nobody can be, ever be envious of somebody in mm-hmm. custody. Neither would anybody have such experience because in turning, being in a custody that is interning beyond its capacity is torture on its own because the infrastructure provided for 700 people cannot definitely serve 2,000 people. So I don't think anybody would have that experience and desire to go back to custody. Rather, what I think may be causing recidivism in Nigeria is first, the knowledge that the number of persons in custody, most often, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the higher, the population of pre-trial detainees is quite high, mm-hmm. very, very high, and it is walking down, you know, uh, bringing low the whole essence of imprisonment, which is for reformation, rehabilitation, and reintegration. And when the population is so high, officers are not able to implement programs and policies that would target change of behavior. And that means that people go into custody and come out without passing through the normal, you know, processes that would help them make a change. Mm. And when that happens, once they come out, 
then some of them are coming out worse than they were before they got in there. So the whole essence of uh, corrections is lost. But there are so many provisions in our new law, the Nigerian Correctional Service Act, that is promoting, you know, this reformation, rehabilitation, and reintegration. But we still have the challenge of pre-trial detainees, the congestion of most of the custodial centers as a huge problem, although a lot mm -hmm. is being done by private organizations and even the government itself, that is the correctional officers through image training and industry uh, directorate to yeah. Okay, I do want us to move to some of the solutions that were discussed in this week's uh, discussions. We'll continue uh, with uh, that conversation. And uh, Chikondi, my guest uh, this morning, as we talk about the state of incarceration on the continent. on SAFM. Remember, you are also sharing your views with us on the Sunday discussion. You can uh, ring us directly on 086-000-2032. Please do keep it short and sharp for me. Let's uh, hear from Vuiswa in Parktown. Good morning to you. Go for it, Vuiswa. Yes, thanks for taking my call. Uh, you know what? Uh, the, 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 the whole, uh, you know, complications came when African countries became... Uh, it got, got independence and uh, decided to follow the Western style of prisons. Uh, because if you look at notorious prisons uh, in Latin America, they, 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 it makes cr criminals come out worse than when they went in. You need to actually uh, revisit uh, the African laws, traditions, how they used to, to treat an offender. Because uh, following the Western style is not going to help. Give me, give me yeah, one, one difference for you, so in your view. What, what, what would that be? For instance, uh, I worked for PPC World Service, uh, and I, I, I covered a lot in, in the Middle East. You will never, never, you can leave your pen here, you find it here. Yeah. Those kind of, 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 of laws can make crime come down. And those who have committed petty crimes, they must be taken into the fold and, 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 and under supervision. And, and, right. and, and become our farmers. All right, Vuyiswa in Park Town. Thank you. Miles in, in Eldorado Park, your view? Look, good morning. Uh, the rights of sentenced and unsentenced prisoners in the Republic of South Africa is embedded in Chapter 2 of the Bill of Rights, Section 35 of Section 2, Paragraph E. It's non negotiable. And it is not the paper it is written on. And I want to talk about the hypocrisy. The Department of Correctional Services know how to get hold of me, where I am, and what my passion is in terms of the rights of sentence and unsentenced prison. They, would, they didn't even let us know about this colloquium or conference or symposium that was held in center. That is the hypocrisy I'm talking about. That is the contradiction of these people who come and tell us that the Constitution is the supreme law of this country. And it needs to come to an end someday because some of us are going nowhere and we're giving birth of other mass gurus that will take the struggle right. further. Our prison conditions are appalling. All right, Miles in in and uh, in Eldos, thank you very much for your call. Tulane um, uh, here says people are in prison for wrongdoing, and if people don't want to be in jail, then they must not be found wanting and give special treatment to prisoners. is counterproductive and dangerous, and criminals must pay for their wrong deeds once and for all. That's Tulane there. Chukundi, let me come to you. This week, of course, uh, discussions uh, uh, took place, ideas were shared. Give us a sense, really, of of what where some of the thinking is about how we solve for some of these solutions of, of overcrowding 
seeing um, of, of the, um, the human rights uh, violations and abuses that we are seeing um, within within prisons and so on. How do we begin uh, solving that? Yeah, uh, this week, I think it was just uh, an opportunity for oversight bodies like the Judicial uh, Oversight Mechanism, the Human Rights Commissions, which have the NHRI, to come together to discuss how based as oversight bodies they can ensure that they are promoting and protecting human rights for prisoners and ensuring that the Mandela rules are being adhered to, but also as a continent that we come together and share best practices and experiences so that we can find solutions to the challenges that we're experiencing in many of our prisons across the countries. So it was quite an opportunity to learn from countries like Nigeria that have also very good practices in terms of monitoring how best they can uh, monitor the numbers of prisons that have uh, overpopulation and how they can also be able to reduce. And also there are countries that we, we also learned in Africa that they are even underpopulated and how they have been able to maintain that. So that was the whole idea. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And uh, and get and you, in, in your view on what should be happening, I suppose, to prevent, uh, uh, you know, people who would perhaps otherwise wouldn't be, you know, in, incarcerated, not necessarily your hardened criminals from even getting into the system. And then the point you already began to spoke to about what happens uh, once they are reintegrated into society to, of course, avoid them having to, to go back there. Just your thoughts about how we begin to solve for that within your context. The point is that, as has been pointed out by Chikon, they, they across the uh, you know African countries, it has been noted that high number of awaiting trial persons, you know, questioning congestion has been a big problem. So one of the things uh, you know in Nigeria, a thought has been given to is to reduce inflow into custody, which is very critical because and to utilize a pre-trial detention as a measure of last resort. After all, what is it that why do we put away people in custody? That is for the safety and security of the communities. And if the risk factor, the risk level of an individual is not high as to affect the community, why send the person to custody? It does not make any sense. And that is why we should, as you know, a continent, be looking at the balance we are placing between the nature of offenses and how we put people in custody. Mm. When the offenses are less risky, when they are especially, we have remnants of uh, colonial laws still with us, which, you know, uh, criminalize people doing, you know, genuine business in public spaces to put food on their table. Mm. This should not be criminalized in the first instance. And already we have this in our laws. And everybody should be working towards removal of these laws that are criminalizing poverty. But uh, for the meantime, there are other things to, you know, there are other platforms to leverage on to address the problem. And this platform, like has been created in our own laws in Nigeria, is under Part B of our Nigerian Correctional Service Act, which is non-custodial service. 
All right, uh, let's, uh, I think we'll, we lost, uh, we'll get you there just at the end of that call. But a good note to end off on Chikondi Chijosi, a criminal justice lead at the Southern Africa Litigation Center. Thank you for your time. And we'll get you Ogu, Deputy Director of Prisoners Rehabilitation and Welfare Action in Nigeria. Wrap up here with Bramorov's comment who says, we should rather treat people by uh, Treat people fairly by providing enough jobs, infrastructure, etc., so that most people won't resort to crime. You can't have better treatment for prisoners if law-abiding citizens are still battling for basic service delivery. Certainly a conversation to pick up at a later stage as well. That's our time this morning and this weekend here in the Weekend View. Let's do it again next week, Saturday and Sunday between 6 and 7 a.m. right here on SAFM. I am Sebenzile Gambule. Until next time. Guande.